welcome to UCYP, where we have uphill conversations with young professionals. Real conversations with bright, forward-thinking YPs. You know, every generation is different than those who've come before. And rather than generalities, we want to hear unique, individual perspectives of the generation that's currently on the rise. We want to elevate the voices, talent, and contributions of YPs in order to build a bridge to connect the past, present, and future generations, helping them to be heard, to be understood, and ultimately, to see them lead. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of UCYP. This is Megan. And I'm Tim. (laughs) And we're so happy that you're joining us uh, for another great conversation with some really phenomenal young professionals. So on the show today... In 2018. In 2018, that's right. They're still young professionals in 2018. It's true. And we did, you probably noticed, we took um, an episode off because it was the week of Christmas. Yeah. And we figured that everybody should have some rest. A little bit of rest. A little bit of rest. A tiny, teeny, tiny bit of rest. Mm Mm-hmm. And I am looking at this magnificent gift that Megan got me <laughs> right now. Yep. It's whatever I want it to be. <laughs> it's whatever you want. <laughs> just, just a joke. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it it was great. It was great time, great time off. And, yep. um, and we hope that everybody, you know, did just get some time to kind of just, you know, whether it's connect with others or just sit around, talk, or even just get some... Just some you time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, but actually speaking of that, I think it'd be really cool. Um, we would love to hear, I guess, I don't know if people out there do resolutions. I know that some people create lists of, you know, they're going to read X amount of books. Um, people have goals that they're setting for the year. So we would love to hear uh, what young professionals out there kind of have on tap as they're looking forward to a new year. And we hope we want to send you to the Focus Planner. Oh, yeah. Super cool. It is. A, we need to do. Let's just do that. Let's make it yeah. a plan that we're going to talk about it. Okay. But we're going to because it's in quarters. Mm-hmm. But let's as yeah. we're doing it, because that's something we decided to do. Yes. And um, we're both excited about yeah. it. Um, and it wasn't my idea. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. I'm sorry. It was your idea. <laughs> just kidding. It was your idea. But my super type A planning person inside me is really excited about it. And my super non-type A person, <laughs> even though I'm not that person, I yeah. am excited about it mm-hmm. because it's it's a roadmap mm-hmm. and I love it. And it's actionable. Yep. It's measurable. Um, and you can use it however you want. Right. Well, and it doesn't just focus on achievement. It doesn't just focus on kind of like setting business goals. It focuses on the whole person. So mm-hmm. you can, it focuses on, you know, you can focus on yourself, your work, your rejuvenation time, yep. and it brings all of those things together. So I think that's really great because um, some of the other planners out there, they, they don't encompass sort of what you need for a full person. They'll just kind of focus in on one of those areas. So that's what I really like about it. And so we're going to do an episode on it, right? Yeah, I think we should. So our guest, um, Campbell Teague. Yes. So Jordan Teague and George Campbell from uh, the law firm, uh, Campbell Teague, here in Greenville, South Carolina. Two uh, really phenomenal uh, young professionals were actually connected to them through one of our previous guests, Nicole Sandrowski. So um, they came in and we just had some awesome conversation about, I mean, really... Um, 
the the legal, sort of what it's like to meet with an attorney and and just maybe providing a different perspective from what's out there in the media and um, maybe breaking down some of the misconceptions people have of why and how to engage an attorney. Yeah, and I like the fact that they're they're accessible. Mm-hmm. They're not just legalese. You know what I mean? Like, and they don't believe in just lang- like the language that like, oh, I've got this. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd never be able to understand this. Right. Well, that's true. That's why they do what they do. Right. But what I like is that even in the conversation with them, two things that stood out for me is I love the fact that they are both so different mm-hmm. and they're partners. Yeah. I don't know any other relationship that I have <laughs> like that, but that was the one thing that stood out. But then the other thing was just that approachability And then their background and then the way they, you know, they have like these unique backgrounds, like she was a coder and he was kind of dabbled in it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of sitting next to each other. They just kind of both musicians, both musicians, like all this stuff that you wouldn't just kind of put together. But but they know their stuff. But what I like is they they bring you into it Mm -hmm. like they made me interested in saying because I always have a a fear of that world anyways, just Mm -hmm. in the fact that. You know, I knew my struggle would be, you know, my mom was like, Tim, you could be, you could be an attorney. (laughs) And my thing would be like, I would, I could see myself having to represent someone I knew was guilty or defend someone, you know, you know, or prosecute someone Mm -hmm. that I knew was innocent. Mm -hmm. And that would be like a battle for me, but like, that's kind of one of my hiccups, but just to see the two of them and how they talk, I just thought it was great. And I feel like. I do believe having a great relationship with an attorney. I think you should have one with a banker, an accountant, you know, someone maybe in real estate, like all these key things. And I have those same relationships for 20 plus years mm-hmm. in my life. And so I think this is a great conversation to have. So not only are they young professionals, mm-hmm. but I feel like this is good for young professionals to hear to kind of close that gap. Yeah. And and kind of the, the one point that I even really liked, which, you know, why I'm, I'm excited for YPs to hear it, is I think sometimes, especially with the millennial generation, there's a lot of stereotypes out there. And we asked them if that had ever been a challenge for them in their work. And what they said is, you know, what somebody else might perceived to be a challenge, they kind of turn it on its head and and view it as a key differentiator for them. Um, and they use it um, to their advantage. So um, really cool, really cool guys to talk to. So we know you're going to enjoy it. Um, please remember to connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter at the UCYP. We still have our uh, Facebook group for um, young professionals going if you'd like to join that. But you can also check us out on Uphill Conversations, our Facebook page, and on Instagram, again, at the UCYP. And we always, always would love to hear from you um, if you're in the Greenville area or if you're outside of it, if there are any cool young YPs out there um, who are making a difference, or even people in other generations who are actively creating that great cross-pollination, we'd love to connect with them, and we'd love it if you'd send them our way. So without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation with Jordan and George. Welcome to the show, Jordan and George. Um, We're so glad to have you today on UCYP, our Young Professionals podcast. Uh, I think it would be awesome if you could just each tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and uh, how you're showing up in the world. Sounds good. I guess I'll go first. My name is Jordan Teague, and I am one half of the law firm of Campbell Teague. 
I started my career in online marketing with a um, little firm here that some people would probably recognize, Irwin Penland Advertising, and decided I would go to law school. So did that, and that's how I ended up here. I'm George Campbell. Jordan and I were in the same class at Furman University where we met, and then I went to law school at University of Georgia, returned back to Greenville to be a prosecutor at the solicitor's office, and through that, uh, bumped into Jordan a couple of year, about a year and a half ago, and we hatched a plan to start our own law firm. So here we are. We're about a year into Campbell Teague. We do business litigation and transactions, mostly private equity deals. So that's kind of who we are and where we come from. Cool. So I'm I'm curious because that's a great sort of broad sweep of how you guys sort of ended up starting this law firm together. So I'm sure there's more of a story to that, but how did you reconnect? And I guess what was the inspiration to go off on your own? Because there are quite a few other law firms in the Greenville area. So uh, what kind of, ins- what, what, it, what did you two bring to the table that you thought was different and what inspired you to, to do this on your own? Yeah, well, so from my perspective, I had just moved back to Greenville from Birmingham, Alabama, wanted to be closer to family, but I took my job with me. So I was working remotely for this big regional law firm that's based out of Birmingham, and I needed an office. So looked around and found one at OpenWorks. It's a co-working space in town, and it was me and a bunch of coders, and <laughs> which I loved because I'm actually a coder by night, but... They were like, you need to sit across from this guy named George. He's a lawyer, too. You guys will get along. So they put me right across from him, and um, we just hit it off and developed a friendship. And I had already been kind of thinking what might be next because working remotely for a thousand-person company didn't sound like it might be my cup of tea. And I dabbled in entrepreneurship before, so I thought there might be something else around the corner. I wasn't exactly sure what, but luckily George had kind of an idea already. Yeah, so I was at Open Works. I actually started when we were in the basement of the two North Main building, mm-hmm. hanging out with those guys because I really fed off the creative energy that was around the startup space. And I was working for a private equity firm uh, at the time, which I'm still involved with, but my, my dream was to start my own law firm. I was just trying to figure out how to do that. And what I had seen here in the Greenville market was there was a big lack in the legal industry of legal practitioners who had practical real-world business experience because not every legal problem has a legal solution. Mm -hmm. For example, with employees, if you have an employee problem, maybe an answer is to just stop being mean or pay them more. (laughs) There are lots of different ways you can address a problem without having to result to legal recourse. Mm -hmm. So we saw that gap in the market, and what made Jordan and I unique was we are trial lawyers by training, which means that you know the ultimate resolution of any kind of dispute. And there's a big problem if you're drafting a contract, for example. You've never had to try a case and explain a contract to a judge and a jury with an average education of eighth grade. Then you're probably a little bit in the dark about how this is going to play out in the real world. So that was one of our primary motivations. We saw a gap. And really, we just have found that it's a tremendous amount of fun to work in a small firm for your you know, clients that you enjoy and work on projects that you want to do. Whereas if you're at a mega firm, you don't always get to pick what you're working on. And uh, we've been able to build a practice that focuses on clients we enjoy working with, projects we like doing, and actually being able to see the fruits of our labor make a difference for those clients. And 
George, I think that I read uh, in your bio that you specifically uh, were interested in serving the legal needs of Greenville's Spanish-speaking community. Mm -hmm. So I would love it if you could just tell us a little bit more about that. I was a Spanish major at Furman. Uh, my father traveled a good deal to Latin America for business when I was growing up, and that kind of sparked my interest in the Hispanic and Latin culture. And so I decided to major in Spanish, lived in Madrid for almost a year on foreign study, and since then have tried to find a way that I could both maintain that skill set. And when I was a prosecutor, I saw a big gap. Now I think this is not just unique to Greenville of the Hispanic community. They come here, they immigrate, but they're not assimilating into all aspects of the economy. One of the biggest problems is they don't have access to the judicial system. There are very few lawyers in Greenville who are fluent in Spanish. Um, a lot of culturally, especially if you come from Latin America, in Mexico, for example, if your house gets robbed, you don't call the police because they're going to take what the robbers left. Yeah. So <laughs> learning how to trust the judicial system, understanding that bribes don't work here. I can't tell you how many Hispanics would walk in on a DUI charge and say, well, how much do I have to pay to make this go away? And, and they felt like, I guess they could just ask me that because I spoke their language. But I say, hey, you don't understand. Don't ever say that again. It doesn't work that way here. You, this is a different system, but it's one you can learn to trust and rely on. And so one of the things I have tried to do and develop, and it's, it's, it's not easy, but to work with um, whoever I can, especially small business owners, uh, these folks who are trying to do the right thing. They've come here legally. They've got a good job. They want to raise their kids. But giving them a voice in the legal system, uh, a way to resolve disputes among businesses. Uh, one thing I see time and time again is these contractors who will hire migrant workers who they know are illegal and then not pay them because they don't think they know that those migrant workers are too scared to stick their neck out and raise their hand and say, Hey, I've been wronged here. So Jordan for your, for yourself. I mean, I mean, that's, that's great. I love the, the specificity, even how you got into it, like seeing the gap. Like here you are trying to speak all this legalese. Most people walking in, they they don't understand what's going on. And so I, I really think that's really good. You know, I mean, I think it's important to be able to speak to anybody, but also to identify, you know, where that level is, you know, and uh, break things down because it puts the puts the burden on yourself, right? As opposed to trying to get someone to come up, you know, uh, with trying to understand like what happened. You know, so I, I think that's really cool that that's your approach instead of just walking into a courtroom and going, hey, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> you just sit there and be quiet. I have this and talk all this stuff. And somebody's sitting there going, you know, because that I feel like that's a big disruption to our legal system anyways, because most people say, I don't even know what just happened. Mm -hmm. The minute that happens, the system is no longer working for the people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just I just really appreciate that because I don't care how many words, you know. It's your job. You ever see that uh, movie, um, Mr. Holland's Opus? Yes. Okay. So you know where he was sitting there on the, you know, on the porch, you know, Mr. Holland was with the coach and the coach was like, Hey, I got this kid and he's got to pass this class. And so they put him in the music class and Mr. Holland's sitting there and they're both having a beer and the coach says, Hey, how's it going with that athlete? Cause we need him to pass. And he's like, I can't teach him anything. And he's like, well, you're just a bad teacher. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you, because you're trying to just get him to do it your way, mm -hmm. why don't you help him? So I just want to say, I love that. But for you, Jordan, like you, I, I can see where his passion is. And mm -hmm. it's cool that, you know, that he speaks Spanish. I'm fluent as well in Spanish. And, um, but 
for you, like, what do you feel like you bring? Like, what is your thing that you say, this is my strength. And in this partnership, this is what I bring. Hmm. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons that I went to law school was I saw a big gap in lawyers who can just kind of speak um, layman's terms, you know, and, and also speak geek as I would like to call it. So I'm a programmer by, um, Coding. by background. Yeah, I'm a coder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a total nerd. I've been, I've been doing that ever since I was 12 or 13. But so when I went to law school, I thought, you know, I think there's a real gap here in lawyers who can kind of just break it down and connect the dots for people. So, um, you know, w- one of the mo- most favorite things that I've done is run a meeting between say, legal department and an IT department. You know, I I can think of one example where there were probably 12 people in a room and I was basically just translating, you know, okay, this is what the lawyers are trying to tell you. Okay. (laughs) These are the database fields you need to collect. Okay. This is what the tech people are trying to say. It's not possible. We can't do this. So I think one of my passions is trying to, um, to connect the dots there, um, with my background. And like, so I mean, I'm just so curious about this code (laughs) thing because like, and so when you, when they were like, Hey, you need to, you guys need to talk. Mm-hmm. Were you coding as well? No, I know just enough to be dangerous. To <laughs> he, he, might, he might be coding in the other sense, you know, when we, when we get too deep in the weeds, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a self, I'm a self-confessed tech nerd as well, but I, I can't go to Jordan's level of depth in, in the code. Okay. So, but you, you just have a, just a, a passion for that. So are you more intrigued by, um, you know, just like, you know, how to back up things, secure things, you know, cloud, you know, cloud protection. Like, does that intrigue you? Because you understand the architecture of like AWS, you know, and how mm-hmm. you do backups and how do you, you know, keep things digitally and how long, like, so you merge those two together. Is like, it, it, is that like a passion, like a, the strongest number one, or is that just something you just kind of appreciate? Yeah. You know, I think, I think my passion is probably more just understanding how things work in general. I think that's what drew me to both programming and to the law. So I think that as much as I like digging in and figuring out, here's how I can make a really great technological solution through maybe building an app or a, a website or something like that. I also really like digging into the weeds of um, case law and statutes. We, we always joke, George is the one that you know, is out whining and dining and, um, and kind of making it happen on that level. Meanwhile, I'm locked in the basement just doing research and writing. (laughs) And of course, I um, say that in jest, but but it's kind of true. I really like just getting down in the weeds and pulling together a lot of um, complicated pieces of information and articulating it in a succinct way. I think that's what's really interesting. How do you guys deal with your frictions? Like you're, when you just run into it, like, you know, you're in your coding and he's out doing that. Like, how do you deal with sometimes where you feel like there's a disparity in what you're delivering and what you're doing? I'm just curious. I mean, it's just, you guys are so unique and different. Like, well, it's, it's pretty much the same story every day. I'm just trying to keep up with Jordan. So <laughs> you sound like me <laughs> with her. Like, I'm just trying to keep up with her. No, honestly, it's, it's really worked pretty well. And I think that's been one of the providential things about our reconnecting and starting a law firm is that you have two people who have a ton of common interests who perfectly match up in terms of complementing each other's strengths and weaknesses. And I think that is the one thing I would attribute to why we've been able to continue to pay rent and buy groceries (laughs) a a year into this law practice. 
is that, that we, we're both complementary strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I truly don't think that I could do this without George. You know, like I think he carries all the, the weight that I couldn't carry. So well, it goes both ways. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know I actually read you guys did a blog post that kind of talked about the differences and what was really funny, Tim, I, I didn't share this with you. I don't know if you looked at it, but oh it, it was their call log. And it was funny because they had made about the same number of phone calls, but I think George talked like 10 times longer than Jordan did. So, I mean, so that just kind of, that just kind of like lets you know, like he's definitely, like she said, like more the one who's out and about and she's in the weeds, like reading and doing the research. So I think that's cool. And I, um, I think it's just neat how you guys are so aware of how your complementary skills work together. Um, so I'm curious because this is, you know, uphill conversations, young professionals, has your age ever presented a challenge to you, uh, in, you know, meeting with potential clients or going out when you're representing someone has, have you ever run up against, um, any sort of challenge because of your age? To the extent that it has, we revel in it because we've been able to take on older lawyers from bigger firms and, while I, I'm just kind of holding the handbag, Jordan's there crushing their soul. <laughs> <laughs> In a very uh, nice way. Yeah, but yeah. We, we actually, to, to us, that's motivating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we, we've reached a point in our career where had we tried this right out of law school, that would be a very different story. Mm-hmm. But we've, we've taken enough licks through the school of hard knocks and, and earned our stripes to where we can at least play on the same field. And so far, I mean, this is our own self-assessment, but we've been able to compete just fine and go toe-to-toe. And it actually, I think, works to our advantage because people underestimate you. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think it's kind of almost the classic David and Goliath story. It's a lot better to walk in with a sling and to be underestimated and and then dominate. So, <laughs> Yeah, for me, I love the underdog. Like, that's what I like. I'm like, small is the new big to me. And we grew up, it was like, well, you were born small, and you really need to be strong and mm-hmm. tough. You know what I mean? Like learn to be bigger than your body, you know, because we didn't have the height, but we were great athletes. Um, you know, when it came to like wrestling, boxing, things like that, like we were great, you know, and we had to deal with guys that were so much bigger than us, you know, and that's the way I grew up. And, but I love that because that's, that's me. Like I, when, if I walk into a room and I say, oh, that's the number one person, blah, blah, blah. And this person over here is number 10. My conversation, I want to go talk to the number 10 person and go, guess what? I think you could be number one. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? And I, I love that, that you guys are willing to walk into a room and say, yeah, we're outgunned, outmanned, you know, almost like Hamilton, yeah. you know? <laughs> you know, like we're, you have more resource, you know, you have better technology, all those things. But that doesn't, that doesn't disqualify our ability to show up and contend mm-hmm. and not only contend, but win. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Well, our adv- biggest advantage we've seen is that we're stronger pound for pound. Yeah, man. And we like can get talk. more done with two people than a lot of legal teams can with 10 or 20. And, and I can back that up with my big firm experience, you know, so I was a law firm. I think we had 150 lawyers in the Birmingham office alone. So that's you know, 300, 400, 500 people in that office. And, um, it, you know, I had a great team, but I I think that I saw a lot of opportunities for leveraging technology to make things more efficient and, um, and just, just removing some time. of the layers. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. wasting time. 
Yeah, and I think also because of that size, it's just you have to keep billing and billing and billing. People don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Every time they turn around, there's a bill. Mm-hmm. You're, what are you billing for? Well, you, you see that mahogany? <laughs> I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like what are you really getting? And I love that the two of you, it's like really literally, I'm not I'm not saying, I don't, I've never seen your office, but I'm just saying people walk in and like, this is what we're billing. Like mm-hmm. you're getting the two of us, our brain power, our heart, our passion, our focus, you know, our collaboration, our collective wisdom. Like this is what you're getting and this is what we're billing you for. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. We're more of an exposed brick kind of law firm. Yeah. <laughs> I like that exposed brick We don't do marble and mahogany. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exposed brick. I like that. <laughs> well, and I think that that, I mean, just that whole idea of kind of the, the billing. And I, I think that sometimes there's probably um, – People don't, people don't, maybe there's fear around engaging an attorney because they don't really understand or they, they're not sure how they're going to be billed and what that's going to look like. And, you know, I, I know a couple of attorneys, one, he's out in Silicon Valley. He's been doing it for a long time, but he bills $980 an hour. I mean, so you think about that and that's, that is a lot of money in a day and, and, and you get him and three people on the phone and, and you know, that's, I mean, it's, it's astronomical to a normal person. So I guess what are for the younger generation and the lay person, people, like you said, that you want to serve, what are some things that, that you guys do differently or that you can tell them to sort of overcome some of the fear of maybe approaching or engaging an attorney? Hmm. We do everything we can to not bill by the hour. Sometimes there's just no way around it, and it's truly either a babysitting job or a, a total unknown where you just there's no other way to price it, and you're, you're actually paying for our time. But a lot of times in the legal world, that's not true. The client, the client, when you go to hire a lawyer, you don't have a time amount involved. Mm-hmm. You don't think, oh, I need, I need 25 hours of a lawyer's time. No, right. you need a result, right? and that's what's important. So how do we figure out how to align our interests with yours to say, okay, this is the objective. This is how we're going to get there. I can't promise you we're going to get there, but here's what I'll do. What's that worth to you? Mm-hmm. And go from there. And what's crazy is I can't think of any other industry that could get away with just you know charging $980 an hour and no one blinking an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, every other industry is based on results, so we try to – yeah, well, it's like that's what I've said to Megan on numerous occasions. Like we have clients, and I'm like, look, don't look at the hours. It's the result. Look at what's happening because if not, we're just doing an exchange of dollars for hour. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's okay if that's what it is, but because we sell the invisible, so do you. Mm-hmm. You sell the invisible. You have this knowledge, you have this understanding, you have this wisdom. And so when we're working with a company, doing coaching or trying to help people advance – we can't sit there and go, oh, well, they've already paid us this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not putting what Megan's mm-hmm. saying down. It's just it's just what happens to all of us. We get into this mode of saying, you almost feel guilty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we shouldn't feel bad because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. It's like, so if we owned, if, if Megan and I were, you know, we made drill bits, we don't sell drill bits. We sell holes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So what size hole do you need? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what we want to sell. Mm-hmm. We want to sell the result. What are you purchasing from us? Mm-hmm. So can you talk more about that? Like what kind of opposition have you felt when you are trying to explain that to people? Well, I, I find that people are very afraid to even call us and engage us in a conversation because they're afraid that they're going to get a secret surprise bill, you know, after we talked to them for five minutes. So I think the first friction that we feel is just people 
not calling us in the first place, which, hmm. you know, if we could give any Creates advice, a bigger problem. right. Call, call your lawyer sooner than later, because, um, what, what's just a small problem now is going to be a dumpster fire later. But so I think, I think that's the one thing we try to convey as often as possible is please just call us. You know, if we, if we need to kind of call time out and say, all right, you know, now we're kind of in the money. We need to talk about what our arrangement's going to be. We'll do that, but we're not going to send you surprise bills in the mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found that the, the best way to have a good law practice is to earn your client's trust so that they know they can call you and say, hey, what's going on? And, and after working, our clients that we've worked with the longest know it's in their best interest to call us early and often. Mm-hmm. And then after about five minutes, depending on where the conversation goes, you know, we'll say, okay, you know, we need to get an engagement agreement together. If, you know, what do you want us to do here? But the... The value that we bring to the table is I could spend five minutes on something and save you a million dollars in your business. Mm -hmm. I could also spend five years on a case and cost you $10 million. Mm. So when you look at the value proposition of of legal services, time is really completely baseless. Mm -hmm. It has no value in and of itself. And so being able, but we also want clients who understand, yeah, I only spent five minutes, but I saved you a million dollars. I'm going to send you a big bill. Because what you're paying for, yeah. I like that. You know, it's it's kind of like yeah. there's a there's a great story uh, about a cruise ship that got stranded in the Bahamas, and they called up the salty old sea captain to come out, and he looked at the engine and said, "All right, I think I can fix it, but it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars." And the cruise ship captain said, "Anything. If we don't get these people to shore, they're going to go crazy and riot. We got to get this done." He said, "Okay, fine." So he went and got a wrench, found the back of the engine casing and smacked it one time. The thing fires, roars back to life. They go in. They said, that'll be a hundred thousand dollars. Captain said, you're crazy. I'm not paying that. He said, you spent five minutes on this. He said, yeah, it's $5 for the labor and $99,500 for knowing where to hit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. What's, what's funny too is, you know, we've had people kind of second guess that like, well, wait a sec, if you're only going to spend five minutes on this, why should I pay you this? And it's like, well, would you rather somebody with expertise get this done quickly and efficiently, or would you rather a, a lawyer who doesn't know what they're doing drag on for a year and never solve and, your problem? And that's what we tell them. Just go on down the street and find a lawyer who'll spend two years working on this and right. get you. And it's the knowledge. I want people to pay. You know, That's my desire for how Megan and I work together is we want people to pay us for what we know and do, mm-hmm. but the knowing part precedes we've done so now we're into knowing what to do, mm-hmm. right? In- instead of just paying us to do something. And that's what most people are doing is like, pay me to do. And I'm like, wait a minute, I want to be paid for what I know and do, but the knowing gets to move in front now because I've learned, you know, and that's what I want us to be able to do is bring that type of value. Mm-hmm. So I-, well, I love that. Good. Well, that's part of the challenge because we're moving, you know, well, we've been in, but are now truly realizing the knowledge-based economy. Oh yeah, we're Greenville and the Upstate, and most of the United States, for that matter, is still in a culture of manufacturing, right? And I think that's returning to some. And we could well, talk textile about that. and yeah, mm-hmm. there's still the 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 residual effect of textile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our, our 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 value propositions generally are based on on production of of a physical good, and we're still evolving culturally to where we can recognize value under a knowledge based schema, mm. and that, that doesn't happen overnight, right? 
Right. Well, let me throw this in there really quick. So for young professionals, just to put this out there, because I have attorneys that I've known forever. I'm, I'm, I'm an older school kind of person. I'm an analog. I love digital, which obviously you can see the studio here, but I'm digital freak. I love digital stuff, but I'm still an analog soul. Mm -hmm. Right. So I like records (laughs) and, and beginning to end. So how do you help young professionals with, and just young, you know, the millennials, digital you know, natives and the future that's coming up, like to see the value in it, because like same accountant for me, same attorney, you know, if if it's, you know, I know, and I grow with them, I keep the same, same relationship. I can count my best friends on one hand. You know, some people are like, Oh, this is my best friend. This man. I'm like, dude, after all the best friends you told me about you, it's 20. How many best friends? You can't have that many best friends. Right. So like, how do you help them to see the value in establishing as young professionals as that digital native age, how do you encourage them to say, get to know people like us? Here's the value in it. You know, it's better to have than not need than to need and not have. Like, how do you help them with that understanding? I think you've got a two-part question, which is, one, how do digital natives develop meaningful relationships in the physical analog world? And two, how do you ascribe value or contextualize those meaningful relationships into a professional realm? Somewhat. Is that correct? You, well, true. But the main thing I want to do is by pointing out is like letting them see the value because most people, like my son, mm-hmm. he's 17. He'll be mm-hmm. going to college. So he's outside. He's right on the edge. So he's the new – he's behind the digital native generation. But he is a digital native. Mm-hmm. But in his mind, he's not calculating the value of having a, in a, re- a relationship or even knowing why you would need, why wouldn't you establish a relationship with someone who's an attorney. So then when you add into the picture, most of them will probably have the impression of an attorney being somewhat of a doctor. Mm-hmm. So as when they were kids going to a pediatrician, they grew up with the same pediatrician. All they've seen is that person older than them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in your case, if I were to have my son walk in right now and look at the two of you, he'd be like, he would have no idea that you were attorneys because his mind naturally thinks it looks a certain way. Mm-hmm. How do you bring that value to show once again, that have a type of relationship like this, learn that it's okay to even connect mm-hmm. and it's better to have a relationship and not need it than the need one and not have it. And he wants to be in the music business. He's going to college for music mm-hmm. and that's what he wants to do, business and music. Mm-hmm. We, we let people figure that out on their own. We don't actively try to market it or solicit it or explain to people the value that you need an attorney because generally by the we want clients who already recognize that value because if we're having to justify what we do and why it's valuable, we're generally not talking to the right person at the right time in that person's life. Mm -hmm. Our best clients are people who've already figured this out that, and and normally it's, it's by getting burned that there there is value to having a relationship with an attorney that I know and trust and can call on. Mm -hmm. But, but I think you, you recognize something that's unfortunate, which is, I think as a culture generally, attorneys are looked at as a line item, um, an expense versus a mm-hmm. value add. Right. And so I, I think just sitting here today, um, the best way that we can do that is through 
um, examples. I mean, not even necessarily sharing examples right here on this podcast, but through, um, through adding value to our clients who will then go and tell their friends and mm-hmm. say, you know what, these, these guys at Campbell Teague, they actually, they didn't even just save me money. They gave me this idea for how to monetize my product better because I didn't, I didn't understand licensing or I didn't understand um, how the supply chain works or something like that. So I, I think that, and that's kind of what you're saying, George, I think is it's one relationship at a time. You know, we try to do a great job for our clients and hope that they can help spread that gospel of right. lawyers aren't just an expense. And it's the intrinsic value as well mm-hmm. as the perceived value, but you're helping them to see both. And it's like, well, we got more. It's the intangible stuff. Mm-hmm. Like most people sell this thing and it's just a transaction. Mm-hmm. I believe a relationship with an attorney is more transformational. That's the way mm-hmm. I view it. Mm-hmm. And it's having the right one that can carry over. So I love both your answers combined. Like that, mm-hmm. I'm just saying like that's that's what w- I would want my son to hear both. Mm-hmm. Like, but I wouldn't want him to wait to get burned. The best way for him to learn is to get burned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would rather him want to pursue understanding it. And I think that's what I'm looking for mostly mm-hmm. is letting young professionals know and people that are in that millennial generation and even younger to say, look, find out who these people are. Don't just, you know, project your thought of what you think they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're not all the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that lawyers are going to be forced more and more over the next few years to demonstrate their value because so many, so much of what legal services is today is going to be commoditized. Mm -hmm. You can go to LegalZoom and you can find Mm -hmm. pretty much all the forms you need. I can, I mean, shoot, I can put together a brief in five minutes with quick parts and word and, you know, just research I already have that's organized well. So I, I think, and what am I missing? There's just so many things that are going to be commodities. Some of our best clients come from LegalZoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's right, kind of what I was... For those of you listening, don't <laughs> yeah. go to LegalZoom. Well, that's kind of... It's, it's not a knock on LegalZoom. It's just don't... Right. It's not... Don't bank on it. Yeah. Well, it's not yeah. a knock on using a skill saw. Just don't do it if you don't know what you're doing. Right. You'll yeah, cut right. your hand off. Right. And, and that's what happens with LegalZoom is you have mm-hmm. very competent business people within their own realm of expertise mm-hmm. messing around in LegalZoom. And then that turns into a giant disaster very quickly because there were unintended consequences that they did not understand. Mm-hmm. And and I guess kind of building on that, so it, it is like an increasingly virtual world too, right? So, I mean, both of you guys were in the co-work space. That's kind of mm-hmm. how you met. Uh, I think our generation, it, we're, doing, we're enterprising a lot more. We're starting our own businesses. We're, there's a lot more independent consultants. And, um, well, you have to. Yeah, and, but there's so much of that. So I think for our generation, you, like you said, what are, what are some of those like common pitfalls and what are things like proactively that young professionals need to be doing as they're stepping into this rather than just saying, I can go to LegalZoom or I can Google that answer. What are some of those times where they should really be picking up the phone and engaging with an attorney? Stop listening to your accountant when he tells you to form an S Corp. <laughs> <laughs> LLCs, right? Well, you can still get S Corp treatment for an LLC. LLC, right. But I can't tell you how many disasters we've had to unwind because an accountant, in all the best intentions, tried to come up with something valuable to tell his client and said, hey, you should form an S-Corp. And then at the end of the day, that saves them about $5,000 a year in additional payroll taxes that they otherwise, or self-employment tax that they otherwise wouldn't have to pay. Problem is, when something goes wrong, like a divorce, or you, I mean, now that we've got a global culture, if you want your buddy in London or Mumbai to invest in your business, guess what? You just broke the S-Corp and you're you about sure to get did. a big fine from yep. the IRS. Okay. 
all of these unintended consequences that you're just bumping along, don't even know are going to happen. And so that's one thing we, we battle with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we would say is just go talk to a lawyer. I'm so interested in what people are doing when they're starting a new business. I'd love to just go sit down and have lunch with you and learn about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of lawyers are like that. They're not out to just constantly bill for everything, although some of the incentives in the larger firms are geared that way. But <laughs> usually most lawyers, they're people too, and they actually want to know what you're doing. And I don't think anybody that's worth their salt will charge you just to bounce some ideas. And that, that's what Greenville and the Southeast is missing. If you go out to the West Coast or to an extent up in New York or Boston, there's a culture of creative assembly and everyone's hyper-networked. Mm-hmm. And they're always talking about the ideas they're working on and what they're doing. And I need to plug you in with this guy and this person or that girl who's working on this. And that establishes a culture of creative assembly and allows people to build a startup culture in an economy where you can actually grow your own. Because I'll tell you right now, if we're just depending in South Carolina on recruiting the next Michelin or Boeing or, or BMW, BMW mm-hmm. yeah, that ain't going to work. Yeah, because the only thing that has to happen is for the euro to flip where it's cheaper to manufacture in Germany, yeah. and they're gone. Well, not only that, it's, you know, if we're just waiting for GHS to absorb another network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, you, you get to the point where you have you know, too big to fail organizations. And when they do, it's a catastrophe. Right. We Isn't need to be focused on growing our own. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a book called Psych- Psycho-Cybernetics, which is really cool because I love what you're saying. It's like, you know, and back to the legal Zoom comment, is that um, it's still, you know, it, you know, even like Tesla, you could sit there, cross your arms and ride in a Tesla mm-hmm. and be navigated by a satellite. Everything's great. But someone had to input that information. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a drone. They can fly them. You can do whatever. Someone is still doing it. It takes a human, right? And mm-hmm. so no matter what, we can never get rid of. Even all of the richness of our downloading of information and putting it in books, online, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're loaded with resources. We still need the element of this human innovation, this real powerful part of us. And I still think the best part of the, all of what we're doing and beyond LegalZoom is because that's why I believe relationship matters and those are the people I keep. There are people I get rid of and there are people I keep. And I say that unapologetically because there are only certain people that need to be in that inner circle. But I believe what you're – I still believe in what you guys do. And I do care about this younger generation coming up to hear what I'm hearing right now and the value of a powerful relationship, a really good one that says, maybe you don't need me to do this one thing, but I have some ideas as well. What are the intangibles of a relationship? Those are the valuable things. That's the psycho-cybernetics to me. That's the important part of beyond just, just mind dumping a bunch of things and then repackaging and selling. And hey, by the way, you might still want to have this checked out mm-hmm. by a human being. Well, in, our, in our highest and best use, our profession and our calling is to be counselors and advocates. And, and that goes far beyond just being a... Document drafting monkey. Yeah, being, being, a, <laughs> being a cube monkey. Can I, yeah. use, can I use that just yeah. in general? Yeah. Can I steal that from you? Absolutely, yeah. Hey, I am not a document drafting monkey. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, what document are you talking about? I don't know. It just sounded cool. But I'm not a document But no, drafting. but I get it. Yeah. But I'm just like, that sounds so like fun. Yeah. And there, there's, so that, that's what gets you to the intangible element. I mean, is we're, right. we're not just technicians. Um, creating you know a, a specific deliverable. There there is a role of counselor, advisor, and advocate. I love that. That we are 
that is our calling as attorneys is to make the world a better place, specifically in the pursuit of truth Mm. and to make sure that truth is spoken always and everywhere first and that we discard what is not true. That, that is the calling of a lawyer. And to the extent that we can get people to get on board with that, then we are being successful. You know, what's interesting is you're saying that, and there are probably people in the law profession that hear that, and I'm hoping that challenges their decision to go into it. It's not for Because everybody. too many people are, it's very subjective what you just said. Mm-hmm. They're not listening to that from an objective point of view, and they don't have that in their own life. That's like, that's powerful. I'm sorry. I just, that's just, that's, that's beyond an oath. You know what I mean? Too many Mm -hmm. people want to commit vows and oaths and all these other things. And it's like, but you know what? That's just stuff. Where's the evidence of it? And what you just said is like, I would love to see more people do that right there. And sometimes the truth's not pretty. No, it's not pleasant. And 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 maybe the truth is that, you know what? This, this is good or it's not good. And Mm -hmm. you may be on either side of it, but it doesn't matter. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's powerful, man. Mm-hmm. You want to add anything to any of that there? I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think that kind of circling back to lawyers are going to have to prove their value and a lot of our services are being commoditized. I think it's a good thing that legal services are being commoditized because it's sort of weeding out the non-essential from the essential. You know, the essential is kind of what George said, which is to be an advocate and bring creativity to the problem. It's not to just draft a bunch of documents to make them as long as possible. I think you told me that back in the day, lawyers were paid by the word. Is that right? That's what we were taught in law school is in legal writing class. They they did some brief overview, but apparently at some point in time, it was standard practice for lawyers to be paid by the word. That's weird. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever curious why you have these long, just (laughs) bloviating, (laughs) worthless documents, um, that's, Allegedly where it comes from. You mean the bills that come out of our <laughs> capital? Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, so I'm glad. I'm glad that we can't just be document drafting monkeys anymore because that's not what people need. You know, they need people that can really help them solve their problem and can give them real actionable advice, not just say this is what the law is or here's this fancy 50-page contract, but say, you know, you got to get out of here. You, you need to get out of business with this guy or you need to – you know, make some serious changes, not just, but the law says. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're, you guys are, I love that just the, it's so down there. It's like, I have attorneys, but I mean, gosh, I'm like, man, I need maybe some new ones. And I don't even need you really. And I'm just saying, I'm like, I don't need them, but will you guys be in my life? Absolutely. <laughs> I like We'd you love guys. To. Drop by anytime. We have free coffee yeah. and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so how can we connect with the two of you? Um, what's the best way um, for us, obviously, but for the listeners, like how they want to reach out in which we encourage you, those that are listening to, even if don't wait till you need one. I mean, gosh, if you're interested in what you're hearing, reach out to them and just have a conversation. So how can they do that? Well, give us a call. Come by the office. Follow us uh, on our blog, on the website. Uh, We have some social media accounts. We haven't quite figured out what our voice needs to be and what we're doing. No one wants to see an Instagram feed of lawyers with documents. (laughs) It's not interesting. Uh, We have a uh, a, – what we've – thought about doing was maybe some kind of competition we we did a ranking of the best cookies in greenville last year chocolate mousse won out runs down but um i think that would be the best thing is to 
just as you would engage anyone else in a meaningful conversation. Some people just want to sit back and observe for a while, and that's cool. Read the blog and follow us and see what we're interested in, what we're talking about. Then the next thing would be come meet us. Come, we're at Methodical mm-hmm. Coffee every morning about 10 a.m. So, But the actual address. What's the website? Like 16, website. Yeah, 16 West North Street, right. Greenville 29601. And the website is campbellteague.com. That's like Campbell as in Campbell's Soup, and Teague is like league, but with a T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to do this before. You can That's tell. Okay. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll have all that information in the show notes. And yeah. I think we do have some of your personal uh, social media channels as well. So we will uh, go ahead and um, hook our listeners up. Uh, so thank you guys so much for being with us today. Um, we just really enjoyed having you in the studio and spending so much time with us. Uh, like Tim said, I know that our listeners will enjoy it. Um, you have been listening to another episode of UCYP, where we have three main goals in mind. We want to elevate the voices of young professionals, build a bridge between generations, and inspire those young professionals to lead.